0: Hello, and welcome to the podcast. On today's episode, I have Dr. Reed Winnick, who is the founder of Dentistry for Health in New York. I met Dr. Winnick at the A4M conference in Las Vegas, where he was speaking at the nitric oxide pre-conference, and I really enjoyed his presentation, so I asked him to be on the show today to share his knowledge. Our oral health is more important than some people realize, so today we are going to learn how the health of our mouth, teeth, and gums, and the products we use on them can affect our overall health. So thank you. Joining me today, Dr. Winnick.
1: Oh, thank you for having me. Looking forward to our conversation.
0: Perfect. So you're up in New York, correct?
1: Yes. Where are you?
0: St. Louis. Oh. Yeah. So it's cold for both of us this time of year. Yes. So let's just jump in. I'm curious, were you ever just like a traditional dentist or were you always passionate about the more holistic side of your practice?
1: Was I always a holistic dentist? Actually, I was not. I was trained as a regular dentist in New York State. And when I got out of school, I was doing whatever we were taught back in the 1980s, which was primarily aesthetic dentistry. So I was really big on building my portfolio of nice, beautiful smiles, trying to get the glamour people in. And that was the crux of the practice. And that's where dentistry was at that time. What I've learned over the course of years being a holistic dentist is really the best dentistry is no dentistry. Case in point, I had a patient a couple of days ago saying, hey, I want to whiten my teeth. And I looked at him and his teeth were fine. I'm like, you know, you really don't need to whiten your teeth because even with tooth whitening comes problems. You're going to have to keep repeating it and your teeth get sensitive. So I'm like, you know what, leave well enough alone. So I'm actually selling no dentistry, which is pretty much what we try to do. We try to teach patients how to really be healthier so that they can maintain their teeth. So I've gone from being a holistic dentist to what I call a sustainable dentist, where I want to try to sustain the health of the mouth so that we can preserve the dentition, but also sustain the health of the whole body so that the patient will then age with vitality and be happy to be older and keep their
0: teeth. So let's expand upon that then and how the oral microbiome is a direct indicator of what's going on with the rest of your system.
1: Sure. You know, I just wanted to bring up another point if that's okay with you. I like going forward and backwards sometimes. So (laughs) if you're wondering like, well, what made me become a holistic practitioner, a holistic dentist? And most people who become holistic, like the situation that happened to you you and your husband, you were forced into it because he did something and you weren't getting the answers from the traditional mainstream doctors. And I've been sick since I'm six years old and I've always been constipated. I've always had stomach aches and I can tell you it had to be around six years old because I remember my brother coming into my room and he was teaching me how to ride my bicycle. And he said, you know, Reed, if you take your medicine, we can go out and ride your bicycle. So this has been going on for many years. And I spent my young adult life always suffering with stomach aches and issues. And it wasn't until I started undergraduate that I ended up in the hospital and they took out my appendix by mistake, but they took out my appendix and they realized I had Crohn's disease So from 1980 through the 1990s, I was treated for Crohn's disease with all the medication that you take. And eventually I had multiple surgeries where they did some resections and other issues I had. And I was about to have another surgery. And what does the mainstream medicine do? They treat you like a machine. And they just take out body parts, hoping for an outcome, forgetting the fact that we're an organism and that everything we do, if we do it correctly, the body can heal itself. So I was basically through my third or fourth surgery and recovering, and I was going away to a seminar for TMJ dysfunction. And all my pain, all my drainage, all my problems started all over again. And I used to weigh, I was like down to 128 pounds. And my doctor said, we're gonna have to either do surgery again or put you on 6 MP, which just came out back then, which was a, a kidney immune suppressant drug. And I just said, Well, I'm going to my TMJ conference and I'll discuss it when I get back. And in the conference was two holistic doctors who were talking about chronic pain and they said that If you have an allergy to gluten, that can cause Crohn's disease. Now, I was going to the best doctors in the world about Crohn's disease. They invented Crohn's disease at this hospital. And I never heard about gluten. Didn't even know what it was at that point. And I went up to them, one of them, after the seminar. And she did muscle testing on me, pushing on my arm, which I never heard of either. And she said, you have an allergy to gluten. So avoid all the forms of gluten. And in five days, all my pain, all my drainage, all my distress, night sweats went away. So my wife and I, we flew to Seattle and took their course. I became a patient and right there. And then I shifted to a holistic dentist and that's how I changed my way. And then I started getting well but then also learning how to treat my patients to be healthier and that was the shift and over the years they teach you how you know the big push back then was mercury and fluoride you know we can discuss that in detail right but i can tell you that there's a lot more to it than just mercury and fluoride and that's what we're going to discuss today And you had asked about the microbiome. Now they're all caught up. So the oral microbiome is the bacteria that live in the mouth. Now there's anaerobic bacteria and there's aerobic bacteria, bacteria that live with oxygen and bacteria that live with no oxygen. And if you have a subclinical or even a clinical infection in the mouth, whether it's from your gums or from failing root canals, that infection causes an inflammatory cascade. And that inflammatory cascade can increase the risk of having a whole bunch of different systemic inflammatory diseases, such as Alzheimer's disease, preterm birth delivery, cardiac disease, diabetes, Crohn's disease, and that's just to name a few. So all of our listeners and patients are really doing a great job trying to keep their gut healthy and the rest of the body healthy. But people need to start talking more about the effects that the mouth has on the overall care and health of the person. And the mouth is really important because, number one, your digestion starts there, right? Your relationships start there. Breathing is also a big factor when it comes to the mouth. And if someone has something called upper airway resistance syndrome, where they're not really snoring that loud, they're just quietly purring, that can cause a disruption in somebody's REM sleep. And if you disrupt the REM sleep, then the brain can't clean at night and detox. And then that can set up inflammation in the body. Worse than UARS would be obstructive sleep apnea, where you hear somebody snoring or gurgling or trying to catch their breath because the brain stops the body from breathing. That's a more serious condition. And that also can lead to this cardiovascular disease, Alzheimer's disease. So that's why the oral microbiome plus this whole breathing mechanism is so important that we discuss.
0: So let's touch on the oral microbiome and how it relates to nitric oxide because you expanded upon this At the A4M conference where you spoke. And I had Dr. Nathan Bryan on the podcast where we deep dived into nitric oxide, but I would still like to talk about it a little bit and how it relates to certain mouthwashes, fluorides, that type of stuff.
1: Okay, great. So, isn't Nathan Bryan a great speaker? He just knows his stuff. Yes. I've learned so much. He's so good. He's great. And he actually saved, you know, one of the other people who, pretty much saved my life because I've been using his products for so long and he has this ability to test to see if you're producing enough nitric oxide through the nitrate nitrite pathway. We can discuss that in a moment. I saw Nathan at a A4M like three, four years ago. And I said, Nathan, I'm not making nitric oxide. What's wrong? And he said, go eat some green leafy vegetables. And if you're still not making it, then you know it's not the product. Then you know it's you. And what he explained to me and what his research shows is that there's specific facultative anaerobic bacteria that live on the base of the tongue. And you need that bacteria because It converts the nitrates, which are your green leafy vegetables or your beets, to nitrite. And it's the nitrite that then goes and produces, gets swallowed, and makes the nitric oxide. So this was a huge thing for myself because... For years, we do what's called a non-surgical periotechnique, where patients come to us because they were told that they need gum surgery or they need to extract teeth. And we're like, no, we can save your teeth because, A, we can identify these microbes and then we know how to treat them. We would treat them with a CO2 laser and ozone which is a way to fumigate these microbes as opposed to them just hiding in the pockets and coming back in eight weeks. But what we didn't know until we spoke to Nathan and he came out with his research, our mantra was the herbs that we use, the clays that we use are killing the anaerobes and they're not killing the aerobic bacteria that we need. We didn't know that the anaerobic bacteria also live on the tongue and we need that to produce nitric oxide. So in essence, what I've done over the years, because I've been doing this for 20 years, is sterilizing my mouth, preventing nitric oxide production and setting me up for high blood pressure. And that's exactly what his research showed. And his research is basically around Listerine and chlorhexidine, which are two strong mouthwashes. But I asked him, you know, what about herbs? What about those other medicaments that we use to have healthy gums? His answer was, well, I didn't test those. I can't tell you. And I can tell you, and we can discuss it later on. I've tested it because I have a device where we can test the saliva and look at different modalities. And I tested myself back in during COVID, like 98 times, because I was shocked at what those readings showed. And I was then able to figure out, okay, what's the best mechanism to have healthy teeth, to have healthy gums, and to maintain that nitrate-nitrite conversion to nitric oxide.
0: And that's what we've done so far. Yeah, I think people think that they're doing the right thing or doing what their dentist recommends and using these antiseptic mouthwashes and don't realize that there's downstream effect that's happening to them.
1: Exactly. And people always come to me and they ask, well, how is this brand? How is that brand? And my number one answer now is, I don't know, because I didn't test it. I only can test so many products. What I've done, though, is I've kind of reversed engineered that answer because what we can have the patients do is if we can use a test strip and see how much nitrate they're actually producing from their saliva, and if they're depleted or they have a low level, we can then say, okay, I want you to stop using whatever you're using. Go to bad, I don't know. Bad could be it's too acidic. But we need to like stop the killing of these bacteria. And I would suggest they can either brush with like a salt toothpaste, like Walida salt, because why? It's a neutralizing type of toothpaste or even using baking soda. It would have to be aluminum-free baking soda, similar to like Bob's Red Milk. They have aluminum-free bacon soda. Because if I get them on these two types of products, then they're not sterilizing the mouth anymore. They're actually making the mouth more alkaline. And that's beneficial to the, the bacteria that we're trying to reawaken. And then they can add Dr. Uh, Dr. Brian's product because that also stimulates the bacteria to open and awaken and start producing their own nitrite.
0: I think at the conference, you showed doTERRA product that you use for mouthwash. Is that what you're still using?
1: Right. So, you know, I've tested a good handful of products. And doTERRA makes a really great mouthwash. It's like an on-guard mouthwash. Tastes great, works well. And I tested that and didn't test out. It was a problem. But then doTERRA makes an on-guard essential oil, which tested out real well. So it was interesting because it's more simple in its properties. I guess there was something in the mouthwash that they made that didn't work out. So what we... Teach our patients. So let me teach them how we recommend they clean their teeth. And then we'll include the on guard and everything. So it's a complete story. So first of all, I'm a believer that floss, if you have gum disease, flossing is a waste of time. And I can't find any research that shows you that flossing is actually effective. Any legitimate research. Flossing is good if you have food stuck between your teeth and you need to get it out. I prefer toothpicks, but again, there are people who want to floss and have at it. But most people don't want to floss. You know, 70% of the population knows that they should floss, and only 35% actually floss. And they're probably just hygienists. (laughs) So what we like is a magnetic water irrigator. It's called a hydrofloss. And I find the hydrofloss to be very effective because you want to be able to reach at to the bottom of the pocket. The floss can only go one and two millimeters. And if you have gum disease and the hygienist is using a ruler to measure those pockets, she's getting four, five, six, seven millimeter pockets. We treat eight, nine, 10 millimeter tr- pockets. But once you get past seven or eight, they're probably saying they should extract the teeth. We don't tell our patients that. But the Hydrofloss... And I can give you a discount code later on for that if you need one for your read listeners.
0: Yeah, we can put it in our show notes.
1: The hide your floss, it pulses water down to the base of that pocket and it will flush out the bacteria and the food on a regular basis. So you have to hide your floss. If you're not sure and you want to test what I'm saying, eat a meal, brush your teeth, take your string floss and floss, and then hide your floss after that. You will find some other food coming out after you do that. So the number one thing is to use the Hydrofloss. The second thing is what we recommend is we recommend a hydroxyapatite toothpaste. Hydroxyapatite has the same or better effect than fluoride, than helping to mineralize the teeth to prevent cavities. So the toothpaste that we choose is called RiseWell. If you go to risewell.com, you can find that on your search engine. Risewell is a great toothpaste, but it does nothing for the gums. How do I know that? Because I tested it. And I don't see my gum health being healthy when I was just using the Risewell. That's why we added the On Guard essential oil. And the way we would do the On Guard essential oil, after I brushed and after I used my Hydrofloss with the Well, I would then get like a shot glass, leave it in my bathroom, fill it up with a little water, and put like two to three drops of the On Guard, and then rinse with it and goggle with it for a minute. And that's what I would do for my healthy gums. However... You can't do that every day. So, what we recommend for the patients is start out five days a week, five days out of seven, three weeks out of four. So, for those two days, let's say on the weekend, you're not using. You can still use your hygienic floss and your well, but you're not using the on guard. And then on the fourth week of the month, you're not using the on guard either. So that's giving that bacteria a chance to recapitulate, to grow back, to start over again. Now, you know, what I'm finding is some patients can't do five days. Some patients can do two. And how do they know that? They take out their test strips during the day. And after they either have one of Nathan's lozenges, or they do a green leafy vegetable or the green smoothie, they wait like 20 to 30 minutes. If that test strip isn't beaming really bright in color, then they know that bacteria isn't working and then they need to modulate even more the use of the On Guard. So now we've taken a mechanical problem of brushing and corrected it from a chemistry point of view So that we can produce our nitric oxide, which is so important because the nitric oxide is antimicrobial in the mouth. It's a vasodilator. So not only is it heart healthy, because the number one cause of heart disease is endothelial cell dysfunction. And in short, your endothelial cells are dysfunctional because they don't have enough nitric oxide. That's the first step of heart disease. It's not when you get plaque and calculus because that's the next step. So by producing the nitric oxide, you need to have, A, your bacteria in your mouth working well, but you also need to have enough hydrochloric acid in your stomach. So now it's when they start talking to you and figuring out, okay, how do we get HCL at an optimal level in the stomach? Because you need that also to make nitric oxide. So nitric oxide is important for heart health, strokes, high blood pressure, but it's also important anywhere you have microcirculation in your body. So your kidneys, your eyes, nitric oxide helps to dilate these vessels and make them more flexible. So there's less chance of having disease when you get older.
0: I love the nitric oxide products, big fan. Okay, so on the point of the fluoride, there's gonna be people that have been told their whole entire life that they need fluoride to prevent cavities. And I'm sure you have dealt with those patients that have come into your office with that same mindset. How do you address that? And what do you say to those people?
1: So the way we address the fluoride issue is we tell them, first of all, that fluoride is a poison. And it's a rat poison. And it's not healthy to be consuming. It actually can affect, for instance, your thyroid and other chemistries and other body organs. So it's not healthy. But the way I explain it to them so they really understand it is it's what makes your mouth free of cavities is really the pH. So again, the fluoride is just a bacteriostatic. It's killing the bacteria. What you really want to do is do things to promote a higher pH in the mouth, a more alkaline, well, in the body also, but a more alkaline pH. And that's what really prevents cavities because there's a fluid flow through the tooth because there's little microtubules and there's that nerve in the middle. And that's why if you eat something sweet, you get, ooh, that's sensitive. Because when you eat something sweet, the pH is acidic. It makes the fluid flow in towards the tooth. Where you eat a more alkalizing diet, then the fluid will flow out of the tooth. And that almost puts like a force field around the tooth and prevents the acids from breaking the tooth down. And we can discuss this later too, if not now, but... The key to having a good pH in the mouth or a more alkalizing pH in the mouth, it starts with if you have higher ammonia levels. How do you have higher ammonia levels? Well, if you eat arginine-rich foods. So there's a whole bunch of pumpkin seeds and other types of foods that are rich in arginine. So that will help produce more ammonia And the ammonia is actually alkalizing. So the problem with too much arginine, right, is it could bring out herpes virus. So you have to be careful with that. And a lot of people who are over 40 like to have protein powders if they're working out that have arginine in them. So you have to be careful about having too much arginine when you're over 40 because your body can't metabolize it properly, and then you have excess arginine in the system, and that can cause other complications. So there's a fine line about what you can do. You can't overdo the arginine if you're over 40. Now, what can somebody do? besides that? Well, there's something called buffer capacity. Buffer capacity is the time it takes from when you eat a meal, the saliva becomes acidic, and then how long does it take to get back to that alkaline state? That's the buffer capacity. And ammonia affects the buffer capacity. I'm sure nitric oxide affects the buffer capacity because it's alkalizing. Having copper Affects the buffer capacity because remember, we just dis- copper, magnesium, there are so many benefits to copper and magnesium, and people are so deficient in these two minerals, but that's a whole other story. But what's interesting in how it comes down to chemistry is earlier we were discussing that nitrate to nitrite pathway, the green leafy vegetable that has to be converted to nitrite before it becomes nitric oxide, the bacteria work and they give off, there's an enzyme that makes that conversion happen. You need copper for that conversion to happen. So if you're deficient in copper, then that's a whole nother problem that you need to look at and address in order to make this nitric oxide pathway correct. So back to the buffer capacity. So I'd rather somebody ate a bag of M&Ms in one minute than a bag of carrots all day long. Because if you must have your bag of M&Ms, at least you're getting it in and out of the mouth and you're done as opposed to carrots, which have sugar right? Every time you eat a carrot, you're lowering the acidity, you're lowering the pH and making the saliva more acidic. So now you're more prone to cavities. So the key is that you're not grazing all day long. Yeah. I have patients who come in and they say, okay, I sip coffee all day when I'm working. Well, we know coffee is acidic. You can't do it. Just finish it. You know, I have patients who they drink water and we know that we need to drink good, healthy water in glass bottles, not plastic bottles. But they tell you that they're drinking like bubbly water and they're told bubbly water is okay, but it's not because bubbles mess up your calcium phosphate levels in your blood and that helps pull the calcium out of your bones. So they need good spring water to drink.
0: So interesting. And I don't think people realize how cool this is that a dentist has been going to A4M for all these years, because that just says a lot about, honestly, what your practice stands for and how you practice what you preach. So I want to talk about the Mercury and amalgams and these metal copings on crowns and implants. So let's transition into some of these heavier metals that are used in dental products.
1: Okay. Well, that's pretty easy to discuss. But one thing about the fluoride. So at one time, we had a pediatric dentist who worked in the office. And she said that when these little kids come in and they have little cavities, she would spot treat them with a fluoride varnish. So it's not like when we grew up and we got those fluoride trays, she's not doing that. But instead of drilling the little kid's tooth, she would have them come in three times, spot it with the fluoride, and that would take care of the cavity. And I had that technique approved by my holistic pediatricians here in the city, and they said, fine. So it's a win-win for the kids, it's a win-win for the mom, And everyone is happy because we're not traumatizing the kid with the fillings.
0: I was actually going to ask you about that because I told you in Vegas or maybe on the phone that I used to work for 3M and I used to sell dental products. And one of these products was the Vanish Varnish, which is what you're talking about. And I was kind of curious your take on that because our sales pitch was the patient or the child is not going to ingest as much of that as in the old days when you stuck those fluoride trays in the kid's mouth.
1: Right. But they don't need it on every tooth. And what's interesting, so I was discussing that saliva testing that we do. So child comes in, they have a mouthful of fillings, right? What will we talk to tell you to do? Oh, stop the sugar, too much sugar. And we need to make sure we get a fluoride toothpaste and we need to make sure they come in for fluoride treatments, et cetera, et cetera. From the testing I did so one of the parameters I can test is cariogenic bacteria. So it tests the bacteria that causes cavities. And it's on a scale from zero to 100. I don't remember a, maybe one kid had a bunch of cariogenic bacteria. Most kids have zero to 10. There's like so little cariogenic bacteria, but their pH also from zero to 100 on that test was like 60 to 80, so high that it was so acidic. And the buffer capacity was so low. So we didn't spend the time talking to mom about avoiding sugar. We spent time about making the correct food choices and how to help the child eat the proper diet so that we can raise the pH and get it more alkaline. So that's why another reason why we don't recommend the fluoride.
0: Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Let's talk about the metals now.
1: Okay. So basically the mantra from a holistic point of view is no metal in the mouth. And that's basically what we go by. So patient came in yesterday and she had a orthodontic retainer from when she was a little kid, that metal thing that goes around the lower front teeth that holds the teeth in. It's made of nickel. They call it cast chrome, but it's nickel. So your partials are nickel. And so many people have nickel allergies. So we would change that for her and put something that's more biocompatible, like more of a zirconium type of retainer. If you look at your x-rays and you see these posts that are put into the, I'm not talking about the implants, I'm talking about the post that goes into a root canal tooth to help stabilize it structurally. The majority of those are made of nickel. So we don't like those either. The crowns. So if a patient needs a porcelain fuse to some type of metal crown, we would use something called holistic gold because it has no palladium in it. And that could be used if there's a situation where a crown must be done. For instance, I had a patient who had a little, like little crack in the base of the tooth. So I wanted to create a feral effect. So I I said, we got to use the metal here. And she was like, okay, she got it. Because on the other side, she had ceramic. Because I would say 95% of the crowns that we make for patients right now are ceramic crowns or they're ceramic inlays or onlays. An inlay and onlay is a more conservative type of crown. So we would stay away from metal Anytime possible. So that holistic gold crown is like what they would call like the highest noble type of crown. But then the other crowns that most people are walking around with are what they call semi-precious metals. And they don't have a lot of gold in them, if any at all. So they're an alloy of all these different metals, which when mixed together, probably have deleterious effects. So our go-to would be non-metal restorations. When it comes to implants, here's the dilemma with implants. They have the traditional titanium implants and then they have zirconium implants. And we would all love to get a zirconium implant because zirconium is a metal, but it's a more bio-friendly metal. The problem with zirconium implant is there is a limit in their size And there's a limit in the shape. If a person has lost a lot of bone, you need to get that implant in the center. But if they lost bone, now the the bone moves either to the lingual and that center is now off. So you really can't get the zirconium to line up properly to then finish the crown on top of the implant. And... Where the titanium implants, there's hundreds and dozens of different styles and brands, and you can change the inclination of the attachment to the implant. So you can do whatever you need to do in terms of restoring that space. Also, the zirconium implants, they are more fragile. So there's more of a chance that they can actually snap off at the top which isn't a good thing because then it's difficult to get the implant out because it's one piece. Yeah. So there's a lot of upside to getting a zirconium implant, but there's a lot of downside where if not placed correctly or used in the right place, it's not going to work. In the middle, there's something called rock solid by the company Strauman, which is a mixture of some titanium and some zirconium, but it has no nickel in it. So it's a little cleaner than the traditional titaniums, much stronger than the pure zirconiums.
0: What type of reactions are you seeing if the patient's body doesn't like the nickel? I'm assuming that it can be something mild and something extremely severe.
1: Yeah, so... You ever have somebody that they wear jewelry and their fingers or their earlobes turn black? Yes. That would be a nickel allergy. So, in the mouth, I've read about, heard about one case where the patient just had so much pain in the area where that new crown was placed or the new restoration, like the post, that the moment they took it out, all the discomfort they had in the area was gone. But a lot of these reactions are subclinical. So let's say you had one crown in your mouth and you had really great home care and you you had no bleeding anywhere else but near that crown. Well, you can assume you're having some kind of reaction to the crown. Yeah. But it's very subtle. But from a chemistry point of view, sometimes these metals, you would see that they have, I don't know the exact chemistry, but they can actually affect Like the liver and the lymphatics on how they clear things out. The immune system could be affected. So if you have a patient who's really, who has like chemical sensitivities, you know, that's the last thing I would think about is putting metal in their mouth. Okay. When it comes to mercury fillings, patients come in and they say, you know, they heard something on the internet or they read something and they say they want to get their mercury fillings out. So. The first question I ask them, well, is why? What's the situation you're going through? And they will tell me, and let's say they have a legitimate concern. I would say the number one reason to take your mercury fillings out is if you're planning on getting pregnant, because it will pass through the placenta. Now, I'm a dentist licensed in the state of New York. I do not give medical advice to anybody. So I always say, well, now it's time to talk to your functional medicine doctor and get their advice, and then we can support whatever needs to be done. But there are some people who have mercury fillings and they may not be mercury toxic. You know, they can say, I have brain fog and I have this. Well, maybe they're not sleeping well. So let's, everyone's jumping on the mercury wagon. Well, mercury is an issue. No, I'm not saying it's not. But it could be something else causing their brain fog or they're being tired or. The neurological problems. So doing a complete physical is really important because it's not the mercury filling that really matter in the mouth. It's the person's ability or inability to detox that mercury that's coming into their system. And just the fact that the mercury is there, I don't care if it's a week old or 30 years old, it's giving off mercury vapors. There's a video called the Smoking Tooth Video. They can Google that on YouTube, and it shows the testing they did with an old amalgam restoration, and they heated it up, and they banged it, and it just always gave off mercury fumes. And one of the things to be concerned about, see, the hygienists here are trained. We're trained in dental school that you should shine up those mercury fillings when you have a cleaning with those profi cups. Think of all the mercury you're giving there. So our people are trained, don't go near them, don't touch them because we don't want to disrupt the mercury and get more mercury into the patient's body. So detoxification. So what I do is I tell the patients that you should really go back to your doctor, let them run some mercury challenge tests so that they can see if the person's mercury toxic. This way I know where they're going down the right road. Let's rule that out. So that's what we do. And then there's specific training on how to remove mercury correctly. We have negative ion generators in the office that keep the air clean. We have special filters in and outside of the operatories. We have a a big suction that would go over the patient's chest to suck out any fumes there. They put oxygen over their nose, they're isolated, they have a hoodie on. Oh, wow. I mean, there's a lot of things you wanna do to protect the patient. And then you have to decide how much do you remove it and the order it's removed. So there's a lot involved. The last thing you wanna do is every dentist in the world knows how to to take out a a mercury filling. But the question is, have they been trained to do it safely? And that's what they wanna look for, the safe technique.
0: Wow. So you're just not pulling out a mercury filling to pull it out. So that's good to know because I was curious if you see mercury in the mouth, you're just immediately taking it out. But that's not the case.
1: You know, the body is an organism. Let's treat it that way and really find the root cause of the problem before we jump and start, you know, chasing our tail and say, what am I going to say? Oops, I was wrong. You know, I want to make sure that the patient is fully evaluated as to the best of our ability. And then we can move forward and make the right decisions because – we were talking earlier about gum disease and these anaerobic bacteria that live at the base of the gum pocket that causes gum disease. Well, they give off lipopolysaccharides, LPSs. Those LPSs actually travel and they affect, I believe, the liver and block the chelation ability to be able to chelate out the mercury. It blocks the pathway for that. So sure, you're going to be doing now all this chelation and stuff to get rid of the mercury and other heavy metals in the mouth. But if your mouth is full of these bacteria, you have a problem. That process is is now blocked. Yeah. So that's why you want to do a comprehensive treatment for these patients. But you don't know that they have bacteria unless you evaluated. Just like if you have a a child and they have a sore throat, you go to a doctor, he doesn't just say, oh, maybe he has strep. Let's give you an antibiotic. He says, oh no, let's do a culture. And let's confirm that there is an infection here before we go to the next step. That's how we modulate and moderate our patients. We do cultures all the time.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Okay. So HPV is responsible for something like 70% of oral cancers these days. What kind of screening measures do you do in your clinic?
1: So we take HPV really seriously. It could be devastating and it's becoming more devastating for the younger population because of oral sex. And if you ask me, all the computers and cell phones that they're using, that disrupts their frequencies. The saliva is a great diagnostic tool. And a lot of functional doctors use it for other parameters, not just for what we see orally. So we have a, a spit test. It takes 10 minutes. They spit into a tube. We send it to a lab. And I think there's like 60 or more different HPV t- virus types. And then it'll come back with a report within a week or 10 days and tell us what the uh, diagnosis is. And then if it turns out that they are HPV positive, years ago, it was a problem because years ago, we didn't know anything. But now a lot of functional medicine doctors have specific protocols to deal with viruses and they can help patients get through them.
0: Okay, interesting. So if they test positive for it in the saliva, then you just refer them back to a functional medicine doctor to handle it from there?
1: Yeah, a functional medicine doctor who's got experience with treating viruses. You know, there's so many different treatments that they can be doing.
0: Okay, that's awesome.
1: Yeah, but not every, there's only a select few of the HPV viruses that's actually contagious and a problem and cancerous. But what we do also, and I forgot the name of it. I have it in the, we just started a program where we are now doing a lot more diagnostics for HPV. So if it turns out that they're positive with the saliva test, we send them for, to a functional doctor where they can draw blood and do a specific blood test that would look to see if they have all these different markers for cancer without even having any symptoms. And one of the markers they look for would be HPV in the mouth.
0: Is it the GRAIL test?
1: I think so. Yeah. So that's what we recommend our patients would be doing if we get a positive score. And we will still send them to the function. And sometimes, you know, if it turns out that there's some positive things, we can do thermography on the patients. And because thermography looks at heat on the right and left side of the body, if there's a discrepancy in the heat, we know something is up. So we can monitor them and their treatments to see how well they're doing that way. Because as you know, cancer and other diseases are sometimes they're pain-free. You didn't know you have it. So we can, then we use thermography also to help monitor that.
0: So my last question for you, is there anything exciting going on in the dental world that's going to be groundbreaking, stem cells, anything like that that you're seeing on the forefront?
1: When you say dental world, you mean my dental world, Right. Yes. (laughs) There's a lot of things exciting going on. So number one, stem cells are always a big plus for our patients. And there are times when we would use biologics on patients to help them heal their bone and things like that. We just are now getting involved with Dr. Bredesen who's one of the main Alzheimer's physicians around the world, and he has a network of practitioners and doctors and an amazing program for patients who have cognitive decline. What's interesting with Alzheimer's is, according to his research, and I, is you can reverse Alzheimer's. And unfortunately, many people go to the doctor and they're told, yes, you're losing your memory, come back in 10 years, and I'll give you a pill. And the reality is Alzheimer's disease starts 10 years before you even have symptoms. So we now have a program in place for our patients where we can screen them for um, any kind of early or late cognitive decline and put them through the process of getting better. And the last thing is we're now part of a program looking at the importance of Magnesium, copper, the detriment of too much iron in the body and other minerals and how they impact the oral health and the health of the rest of the body for people who are suffering and are chronically tired and have other illnesses that aren't responding to traditional or even functional medical treatments. So we're now bringing that program here into the office. The whole key is try to be as sustainable as possible.
0: Yeah. And I love that. And I love what you're doing there. And I know that the listeners today learned a lot. And I'm going to make sure that I attach all the products that you talked about, information to be able to find you on social media, your website, all of those links will be provided. I really appreciate your time.
1: I'm so happy to help. Thank you for having me.
0: Thank you.